Hello, and welcome to Breaking Protocol. I'm your host, Bob Sadaway. I'm honored to have with me today two incredible guests on the show. Vicki Heyman is the co-founder of Unchartered LLC, which convenes and connects diverse groups of Americans and Canadians for impact. There, she combines her charitable, political, cultural, and fundraising experience to work on projects involving philanthropy, storytelling, and political activism. She's also the co-author of The Art of Diplomacy, Strengthening the Canadian-U.S. Relationships in Times of Uncertainty, which highlights the extraordinary country of Canada and takes an in-depth look at why diplomacy matters now more than ever. Before launching Unchartered, Vicky spent three years as an American cultural envoy in Canada, leading cross-border conversations and programs related to the arts, social innovation, and youth engagement. Her most powerful work there involved partnering with the U.S. Embassy Ottawa and the State Department's Art in the Embassies program to launch the seminal Contemporary Conversations speaking series at the National Gallery of Canada, utilizing art to craft discussions on issues such as social justice, the environment, and identity. Also joining us today is Vicki's husband, Ambassador Bruce Heyman. He most recently served as the United States Ambassador to Canada during President Barack Obama's administration from 2014 until 2017. He continues his work strengthening the relationship between Canada and the United States by serving as a strategic advisor to Canada 2020, a Canadian progressive think tank based in Ottawa. As a member of the advisory board to the Canada Institute at the Wilson Center, Bruce and Vicki are currently involved in a voter initiative to ensure Americans who live outside the United States have access to voting in the upcoming presidential election. Clearly, no small task. But based on the resumes and accomplishments of Mr. and Mrs. Heyman, no doubt one that will prove successful. Welcome, Vicki and Ambassador to Breaking Protocol. Wonderful to be here. Oh, it's so good to be here. It's so nice to see you both again. I'm very excited to have you on the show. We have so much to talk about. And this is something that the two of you are once again extending your hand as you have done so many times over the course of your lives together and accomplished so much. And and, and just allow me to take a moment of personal privilege and extend my sincere congratulations to everything that you have done for so many and for so many years. Thank you. Thank you. You're, You're so welcome. I would think at this stage of your lives together that you would take some time for yourselves. You've done so much, but That's not what's happening here. The two of you have launched this voter initiative that honestly seems like an enormous challenge. And I'm not sure at this stage what is motivating that. But Vicki, I want to start with you. What is it about voter engagement that has motivated you to dedicate so much time to this initiative? Bob, let's go back in time a little bit. Okay. Um, When Actually, when we first met um, during the 11... 12 cycle, the Barack Obama campaign, and worked so steadfast 
directly on that campaign, as did you, and really saw the power of voter engagement and lived it every day and experienced it every day, um, seeing obviously very positive outcomes in that election for our reelected president. And um, Bruce and I, as you mentioned, had the extraordinary opportunity to serve our country in Canada post that election. And while in Canada met thousands and thousands of Americans living in Canada who really were either dual citizens, they were there working, and we had conversations with them about the power of their vote and living outside the United States, how that vote was critical to the outcomes of our election, but also more importantly to this global connectivity that we have. During 2016, um, as we all were very disappointed with the outcome of the election and voter participation from abroad was not robust. It was quite sparse actually of all the eligible voters globally that could have voted in 2016, less than 7% of those folks did. Was that an unusual number though? It's a hugely low number and it was a big wake up call for us. So we decided in 2018, after our tenure in Canada, that we would take some time to go back to Canada and go on media and use our voices and get around the country to talk about how important this voter constituency could be. And after the 18 election, we did see an increase in overseas civilian voting, but not the increase that we hoped to have this time. It was an aha moment for us, and we decided now is the perfect time. Let's really focus deeply on this. Let's get the right data out. And let's then go to the Biden campaign, along with Democrats abroad, and form a coalition to really speak directly and with passion and with purpose and to these voters to let them understand now is the moment to please you know, extend themselves to make sure they get their registration and their ballots back on time and participate in this um, in this election cycle. There's no doubt that you are a person of passion and and clearly it's a driving force moving this initiative forward. I'm so I'm so excited to talk more about it. Ambassador, you were the US ambassador to Canada, which which clearly provides you some access to organizations that engage Americans in that country. But but what are you doing to reach out to Americans that don't live in Canada? I mean, how do you how do you organize that? So first, let, let me just say to everyone listening in here that Vicky and I love our country so deeply. We really love the United States of America. And we think that what has happened over these last three and a half years has been so upsetting for us because I don't think this is what our founding fathers had thought we would be doing, nor Republicans or Democrats alike all throughout our history. And we can have different policy views, but nobody thought we'd put our country in jeopardy. And so I think that this effort of getting every vote that we possibly can, and as Vicky said, these numbers are huge overseas and the participation rate is quite small. You know, 7% is just pathetic, actually. So what are we doing to engage? Well, in addition to the work we were doing in Canada, we have organized a group called Ambassadors for Biden, along with the campaign, the Biden for President campaign, and engaged each of these ambassadors and partners 
like Vicky and, and you, you <laughs> uh, to go back to our countries where we were posted and engage Americans through media, social media, op-eds, television, radio, you know, Twitter, direct Facebook, direct outreach to personal networks to do whatever we can. Because I think we come with some credentialization. What's interesting about this ambassadorial and partner group is that there are Republicans and Democrats. There are career and political. There are even ambassadors who served under one Donald Trump. And so we've all come together for the same issue and the same cause of getting Americans engaged in the voting process and to vote for Joe Biden and down the Democratic ticket, senators and congressmen and women and 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 the like. Second, we've engaged this organization called Democrats Abroad. What makes Democrats Abroad so fantastic for this kind of effort is that they're in every country. And so now we have the effective boots on the ground so in combination with the ambassadors, many of which are still in the United States, and this Democrats abroad uh, effort, that it, it's really powerful. It's a one plus one is three. They, Democrats abroad is virtually in every country, you know, most every country across the world, chapters there. They are actually on now, we just heard the seventh continent. They just got two voters from Antarctica. <laughs> That Last registered, week registered on the website. On the website. So there are over 200,000 members of Democrats Abroad, and they formed a coalition of Democrats Abroad to actually become not only just voters and registrants themselves, but uh, to become vote champions. And they're, you know, through um, organizational relationships and organizing, they're actually extending voting to their collective uh, communities as well. And so that's part two. Part three are getting influencers, political, sports celebrities, musicians, um, everybody that we can to reach out if you're if you have some connectivity to that country to reach out and, you know, and also youth engagement. And we're doing some youth engaging and comedy nights and so forth. Interesting, couple interesting statistics for you. You know, I'm going to preempt your question of how's it going. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, it's going really well. We're seeing right now on the Vote From Abroad website, we are seeing a triple of the engagement year to date as compared to 2016. Well, that's extraordinary. Yeah. So the and tracking is quite good. It is unbelievable. So I have to ask, though, Vicki, I have friends that live outside of the United States. I had, in fact, I have a friend that lives in Australia that actually sent me a photograph of him having executed his ballot and is mailing it uh, back to the United States. And honestly, that's not a really simple process for him from a small village in Australia. I mean, people, as you said, Americans live in virtually every country in the world. Yeah. And then yeah. there are different voting laws and different voting procedures in every state in the United States. So how in the world do you effectively disseminate that much information to such a broad and diverse group of citizens and then it be impactful for this pending election? Yeah. So let's um, let's talk about the voter tool we're using first, because I think that's the way we start. Our voter tool is a tool called Vote from abroad.org. So through all of our messaging, whether it be traditional messaging, earned media, social media, we are directing our 
communities to that website. On that website, it's a pretty direct process. You go onto the website, you can enter that site from your computer, from your phone, votefromabroad.org, and you put in the last U.S. address in which you lived. And there'll be um, a series of prompts after that where you can actually go in, enter your address, it will connect you to the appropriate registration information to fill out. And at that moment, you have an opportunity to check a box that allows your ballot to be returned to you via email. So that gets one thing out of the way. Um, Once you receive that email that your ballot has arrived, and actually for those who've registered, ballot day is going to be 9-19, so just this coming weekend. Once you receive that ballot, there is an option to return your ballot via email. So if you are in this remote place and you have internet access and you are living in one of 30 states that allow return by email, it's a pretty simple, or or facts, it's a pretty simple process. You do, it is required that you actually print out the ballot that is emailed to you and sign it and make sure that signature is legible and clear. And exactly like the signature you used used when you registered. So So if you do initial on this one and you did a full signature in the other one, that is not going to work. So for those folks that have, number one, a computer and a phone, number two, remember, votebroad.org, and number three, request their ballot via email and return it via email, they're in good shape. There are 20, 20 states where the ballots must be returned by mail. And that's a different issue. And it's very important to talk about that because many of the the battleground states, unfortunately, are states that are requiring return by mail. And those states are, some of those states are Michigan, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Texas. Those are the battleground states. Those are battleground states. And Florida, for example, there is an opportunity to actually fax your ballot back. You cannot email it, but you can fax it back. So when you have that situation that you're facing, you know, returning that ballot ASAP and the via mail, and we know the problems of the post office, I'm going to turn it to Bruce right now because we've done so. We have a special surprise for all the listeners about a way in which you can get your ballot back without any cost. Just before we talk to the ambassador, I just want to say for those of you that are listening in the uh, body of the description of this podcast, I will put the link that Vicki and the ambassador are talking about votefromabroad.org. So I'll make sure everyone has access to the link as we publish the podcast. As you were saying, ambassador. So it, here's the situation. And you know what? Um, I hate I hate when things are so overly complicated. So we're trying to make it uh, as so simple as possible. So we're going to try possible. our best to make it as simple as possible. So the first thing I can tell you is if you have a state that you need to get your ballot back and cost is of no object for you, you just want to get that make ballot sure it's back. Counted and, and you want to make sure it's counted and not have anything wrong. I would say to you the following, go to a courier. That would be somebody like FedEx, UPS, DHL, et cetera, and get your ballot and and you'll have all the information as to where to send it, but FedEx it, UPS it, and courier it back. Uh, Just so you know, we have communicated, uh, Democrats abroad have communicated with all the states that require hard ballot, and they all will take courier-delivered ballots. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, if you are in a country that has a 
effective mail service currently operating during this pandemic, I would be comfortable enough knowing that, as Vicky said, the ballots have to arrive by September 19th if you've already registered, because the rules are they have to be there at least 45 days in advance. Now, some states are already distributing ballots as you're listening to this. Um, but I would say print that off. And if you are in a country like Canada, where the mail service is still effective and you're mailing it to Michigan, it still may take a few weeks given both U.S. postal delays and the pandemic. But I think you should, should I'm not promising this, but you should have enough leeway uh, 45 days at least in advance. Number three, if you live near a U.S. embassy or consulate, that you need to check to see if that embassy or consulate is in fact delivering back those ballots. Now, one of the things, now there are many of them that are doing this. They have a box either out front or just inside the embassy, and they'll drop it off inside that box. They're supposed to put a counselor stamp on there to show the date you gave up your ballot and gave it to them. Um, but I'm not completely sure that every embassy and consulate is going to do that. So let's get it there on time. And then you need to ask and look on their website. It should all that information be there. But what they estimate the amount of time to get back to the United States would be. The other thing is that some of these embassies are saying there needs to be correct postage, U.S. postage on their once received. So here's the good news. If you're willing to just get your uh, computer out and print this is off another link an that envelope, we'll share with you. But it's today. a link on FEAP, the Federal Voter Assistance Program.gov, and they will give you a template that you literally just print off and you can glue, stick, tape to your envelope, uh, or unless you have a printer that will print your envelope, that's good too. But it will do that and it will be once landed in the US, it will be postage free. Now, that applies only to these groups that are dropping it off into the U.S. Postal Service. Now, this applies to 20 states. The, this is a moving target. And why is that? Because there are a lot of us, not only uh, us working on the Biden campaign, but us working on all campaigns, Republican and Democrat alike, that are going to states and asking them to convert because they have some, may have some provisions within the law that allow them to convert to receive ballots via electronic means under some state of emergency provisions, et cetera. Five states over the last two weeks have switched. And so this is a moving target. So it may very well be by next week when you get your ballot that it may very well be that your state has converted you need to look online on the votefromabroad.org site and they will keep so you up to date. I want to talk a little bit about votefromabroad.org. There is a 24-hour help desk. There are a jillion FAQs, frequently answered uh, questions on the site that you can get your answers to. Every Sunday, Democrats Abroad and votefromabroad.org runs an open forum of help. So if you go to that website, votefromabroad.org, if you are confused, you have any questions, and they're even going to be providing an opportunity to go into chat rooms and Zoom rooms so you can get some one-on-one -on -one help. So if anybody that's confused about that, the other thing I want to clarify about voting, 
we're mentioning the September 19th date, which is very important next this coming week in terms of the ballots being dropped. But we don't want to discourage anybody listening from talking to their friends abroad or reaching out and letting them know it's not too late to register. Even can, after the night. Even after the night. It's very important to know that you can continue to register, particularly if you're in a battleground state, you can continue to register within a couple of weeks or a week or so of the election and ensure by email you will get your ballot But back. you need to check the state because something yes. like the state of Florida has a rule that says if you don't register 30 days in advance of the election itself, you can't register. And so you lose that opportunity. Let me touch on a subject here about specific states, because as as you and the ambassador have both indicated, the rules are different. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are a lot of similarities, but each state has its own rules. With that said, are there states that if you had a choice of saying we really need this group of individuals from this state to vote, is there a state that has a ton of Americans living abroad or versus yeah. there are states where only have maybe a hundred people living abroad yeah. and talk a little bit about that data and sure. why that's impactful. So let's start with the, the countries that have the largest number of Americans living in them. The, the number one country where the most Americans living outside the United States reside is Canada. The number two country is Mexico. The number three country is the UK. So when you think about the crossover there and you look about at these battleground states we talked about and you think about Canada and its border states of Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Pennsylvania, and a lot of Canadians also have Florida residences, it is a hugely important voter constituency voting right into those states. I don't have the exact data on how many Michiganders live in Canada, but I will give you this stat. In 2016, Hillary lost Michigan by 11,000 votes. There are more than 650,000 Americans eligible to vote living in Canada. So if you think about last time's voter margin and the margin to win in Michigan, all we would need to have was 11,000 Michiganders residing in Canada that actually voted in that election. So that's Canada. Let's talk about Mexico. Mexico also is just right behind Canada in terms of the number of eligible voters. We're looking at Texas. We're looking at Arizona. And then let's also talk, let's talk about the DR, where you and Wally served and some of the other Caribbean nations. There are so many, maybe as many as 250,000 eligible voters in the DR and many with Floridian residences and uh, potential to vote there. So the in 2016, the number one state where American voters abroad submitted ballots to was Florida, which is a critical, critical battleground state. And what can you do? Do you know what country those votes came from the most? Um, we don't know I, the combination of countries that that vote in terms of st- stacking them by tier. Um, it's really it's really hard. global because yeah. a lot of um, so a large portion of Florida voters historically have been that from overseas have been military. And so they're all over the world. There are a lot of people that redeclare a state before they leave uh, for tax purposes. And a lot of military people use Florida as their residence as a result of that. And but a lot of business people have as well. 
And so that's how Florida continues to pop up as being the number one state. I think a really important thing to remember about the American voter abroad constituency, almost 50% of the votes coming in from abroad in the last election in 16 were into the states that the Biden campaign has deemed in 2020 as battleground states. So that is huge. So here, let's talk, let's talk numbers one second. 6.5 6.5 million American potential eligible voters in the outside of the United States, less than 7% voted. If we stay on track and we can actually triple that number, that could mean as many as a million American new votes coming into the system. Most of these votes are progressive votes. You think about the voter margin, anything about the battleground states, the states that Hillary lost by you know, is 107,000 votes. That's more than ample, almost triple the number of votes we would need to cover that voter margin. So it's a very, very important constituency. And it really is that vote and the impact of these folks voting is incredibly important and targeted. Well, speaking of rattling the cages, I recently read an editorial that the two of you along with Ambassador Gordon Giffen and his wife, Patty. Uh, The four of you wrote in a Canadian newspaper called The Globe and the Mail. And in doing so, you indicated, Ambassador, that the vote is the most powerful, nonviolent change agent you can have in a democratic society. You must use it because it is not guaranteed you can lose it. That sounds really hyper dramatic in a lot of ways. Do you really believe that we're facing a situation where Americans could truly lose the right to vote? We were quoting one John Lewis. This is a man who put himself in harm's way from a very young age, as we all know, for these rights. And he fought and almost died trying to get these rights. We're, We're at a time now Bob, that that it, it, we're, we're in a deep crisis moment. You know, our country is based on a rule of laws. And when the laws are broken, we have a system in which we prosecute people for violating those laws. But when the system breaks and we don't prosecute people for violating the laws and the people who are violating the laws are running the country, that the whole, the gig's up, <laughs> the democracy's over. It's, this is it. And we have this ability right now through our election. And I believe it's going to be challenged by, you know, this group of people who don't care about the law. And the only way for us to, you know, secure our democracy is an overwhelming win. Yeah. And I think we have to win with the numbers of people that far exceed anybody's current expectation of what we're going to do. We need we need a wave. We need a tsunami of votes right. to come through. Otherwise, the rule of law is over. And if the rule of law is over, then the basis of which we operate, we congressional um, and this legislative body and the president, the executive authority, and the judicial, if the judicial is not an instrumental part in how this works, 
this three-part system that we have blows up. We did not exercise our right to vote, then we have failed ourselves and we have failed our families and we've failed future generations. It is such a serious, serious time. So, uh, you know, I have to ask you, we're experiencing in the United States quite a dilemma around the U.S. Postal Service. I personally am experiencing lost mail already, which if I am a small individual, one person experiencing lost mail, then you know this is a much greater problem in the business community. And I personally am not comfortable not voting in person. I'll be covered in a hazmat suit from head to toe, but I'm going to make sure that I go vote in person. Is there any kind of information that you can provide the listeners and some confidence that going through all of these hurdles that one goes through to vote from abroad, that mailing their ballot is actually effective. So So you have to have a strategy. You have to go early. You have to have a detailed process of, you know, responding on that ballot effectively and following the instructions carefully. And you need to go make sure that that the Postal Service is operating, if not, make a commitment. Now, we're working to try to get some discounts, and DHL and some countries throughout Latin America is actually providing some of these discounts. So you're going to have to look on the site and try to figure out where that exists on those couriers. I want to talk about, you said, you know, why, why is it worth it? You know, are we going to lose these, lose these votes because of the USPS problem? I think the idea of the plan is very important. Like every voter, every American, no matter where you live, you need to take an hour, but whatever amount of time it takes, you have to make that commitment. This is too important. I'm going to do that. You walk through the steps, you figure out the most efficient way to get your ballot back via email or mail. And then you know what you do? You reach out to five friends or five family members, and you walk them through that process. And you ask those people, once they walk through the process, to take five of their friends and walk through that process. If every person would make a commitment to doing that, three to five friends, we're going to win this election. So it's about peer-to-peer contact. It's about intention, setting your intentions, prioritizing this above, over the next month, prioritizing getting out the vote, voting yourself and helping others as a complete priority of your use of time and energy. As we're approaching the end of the show here, clearly I have to give major kudos to you both for the passion uh, that clearly is coming through. I think our listeners are hearing it and are motivated by it as I am motivated by it. I like to wrap up with a final question Uh, to each of you. And that is, is there one thing that I haven't addressed that you need to address before we end the show to ensure that everyone has this incredible opportunity to vote? I'm going to mention one other place and way in which people can amplify, your listeners can amplify this message. If they go on all social channels, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and follow at Dems abroad. There is extraordinary content on there that will in in pictograms 
explain exactly the data that Bruce and I are sharing with you today. And if they use that, follow those, follow Dem, at demsabroad.org and they amplify that information through their own social channels, as well as reaching out directly, that will really help to demystify and uncomplicate the situation. And I also want to say, we've talked a lot about varying states and different things you can do. We don't want to cloud your listeners' head. Go to votefromabroad.org, enter your former address in the United States. And I do want to say that if you are an American citizen abroad over the age of 18, you can vote. In 37 states, if you were born of an American parent and had not lived in the United States, you can vote. All you need to do is use your parents' former address. And in many countries, in Canada, for example, if you're a dual citizen, both Canadian and American, you can vote. So understand that the parameter of people can, that can vote is extremely broad. And you know, with, people just need to know the rules. And then they need to have a family dinner. And they need to include some of their <laughs> family in other locations across the border and or within you know, their respective countries and walk through these things. I'm going to leave you with one thought, and that is that we haven't talked about Joe Biden. That's right. And I need to just tell everybody and all of us on this, this podcast know Joe. And I'm just going to tell you that this is the right man for the right time. We have a country that has experienced 200,000 people that have died as a result of a mishandling of leadership. But not only do we need the right leadership to get ourselves on track with this virus, but we need to embrace the people and the families who have lost a loved one here. We have somebody who cares about the average person and the, he's come from a working class background. And I'm telling you, he's going to be there for the millions of people who have lost jobs that are permanently lost. And third, we are, we are under great pressure with regard to race and racial issues. And this is a man that appreciates it, that feels it, that knows it, that, that will be an advocate for racial, gender, sexual orientation diversity and inclusion in our country, which is so important today. And finally, you have to remember that we need to win the Senate. So you're not just voting for just Joe. You need to vote for every Democratic candidate that's running for Senate. So many of these swing states and other states have Democratic candidates that are in the hunt here to turn the Senate blue. If you want to make sure that Joe has the tools to implement his strategy, he will need to knock out Mitch McConnell and the Republicans for him to be effective. He'll be great, even if it's a Republican Senate, but he'll be best if we can have a reorientation of our country, even if it's for a short period of time till we get uh, Republicans acting um, like a balanced second party in the country again. Well, on behalf of every American living abroad and Americans who have family members living abroad, I want to extend my thanks to both of you for the commitment and the passion that you are providing to this project and to ensure that this initiative is successful for the future of American democracy. 
And if you folks that are listening would like to experience some further passion from Ambassador Bruce and Vicki Heyman, you can read their book, The Art of Diplomacy, Strengthening the Canada-U.S. Relationship in Times of Uncertainty. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please click and subscribe for notification of future episodes. And if you haven't had an opportunity to read my book, Breaking Protocol, Forging a Path Beyond Diplomacy, it is available at your favorite online retailer or can be downloaded to your Kindle, tablet, or smartphone. Many blessings to all of you and have a wonderful day.